is the Amadon Planet Podcast, episode 27. I am your host, Joel Amadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to figure out how to teach better. And, and I gotta tell you, I'm a little bit nervous today recording this intro and outro to the podcast because I had a chance to interview Andrew Radcliffe for this episode. And Andrew Radcliffe is the CEO of Tweed Recording Audio Production School located in Athens, Georgia, and he teaches this sort of thing, like how to accurately capture sound and mostly capturing it with regards to the playing of music, but they also talk about podcasts and audio recordings of all sorts. And the reason why I have Andrew on the uh, podcast is I kind of heard about this idea of this audio production school a long time ago. He, he and I used to go to church together when he was in Oxford, Mississippi, and where this idea of this uh, school kind of came to start to percolate. And we'd have some conversations because he knew I was into teaching teaching teachers and he was thinking about how do I take his expert or how does he take his expertise in recording where he's got you know tons of expertise in that area and how does he take some of the informal teaching he's doing and put it into a curriculum put it into a whole school where they can develop a, uh, um, certificate programs and whatnot to teach people how to do this well how to capture sound and what are the things you need to put into place and even then thinking about all the aspects of teaching that he thinks about with regards to his production school. So able to talk about it before he moved and then seeing some of the things from social media on, on the kind of the, the, the creation, the evolution of Tweed uh, recording audio production school. And so I'm excited to hear the lessons that he uh, learned and the question he had that we captured in this interview. And so I'm glad to share that with you because this is another episode in that create series that started in the beginning of 2020 when we talked about the Broken Record podcast, uh, Rick and Rubin and uh, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. And we also continued it when we talked about Sound City, the uh, documentary by Dave Grohl about the uh, NAF console from Sound City uh, recording studios, which is kind of cool because that's kind of a connection to um, Andrew uh, does analog recording as well. And so some of those same sort of ideas that talking about analog and digital sort of conflict in Sound City, you kind of hear some of those things now when we're talking about with Andrew in this episode. So you'll hear some of that. You hear something uh, has a kind of a holistic approach to teaching, and I'll let him talk about it later in the episode. I'm just really excited to, one, continue the Create series, two, get an opportunity to talk to Andrew and just hear about the, the evolution of Tweed Recording Audio Production School, and then you know, just also to then excited to share it, share it with you all. And that's the whole point is that we're sharing things in order to figure out how to teach better. Because again, purpose of the Amazon Planet podcast is to lead people to love others through teaching. And I think that happens here. So no further delay. Here is my conversation with Andrew Radcliffe, CEO of Tweed Recording Audio Production School from Athens, Georgia. Andrew Radcliffe, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the uh, Amazon Planet podcast. You are the CEO of Tweed Recording Audio Production School. And I've known you for a little bit, but it's exciting to see the things happen in your life. W welcome, how are you? I'm good, Joel. Thank you for being here, or having me here, man. This is, uh, this is exciting. I, I'm, I think this is actually the first podcast I've done with someone else being the host. So I'm excited about this. Usually I've, been, I've, I've had to host and ask all the questions. So I'm excited to, to answer your questions today, but uh, we're good, man. Here in Athens, family's good. Uh, the Tweed family seems to be doing well and just uh, trying to find new ways to, uh, to engage the world and, uh, and hopefully uh, try and leave it a better place. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
you know, and I've known you, we, we went to church together here in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, you know, known you and your family for a while, but uh, I'm curious, like, and I don't, you know, never got the, uh, hey, let's go to a coffee shop, sit down and, and get a little bit of background. So I wonder if you could share a little bit of background on, of you and, and your history in the uh, recording industry. Yeah, sure. I apologize. We should have done the coffee. I think we were actually having a conversation about that as I was uh, trying to get the school up and going in Oxford and trying to pick your brain about how I could teach some things. So, well, uh, we we both had like kids on either side and trying to have these conversations, and you know that's it's it it happens. So it's all good, no doubt. So uh, a little background on me: grew up in Roswell, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Pops, uh, mom, dad are from South Georgia. Uh, so dad started working with a power company um, a couple years before I was born. Uh, so I lived the first 10 years in Atlanta, uh, then moved to Birmingham, Alabama for five. He was traveling all within the uh, power company, uh, Georgia Power, uh, Alabama Power, Mississippi Power, and, uh, and then ultimately Southern Company. So uh, five years in Birmingham, then down to Gulfport, Mississippi, I had a pretty lucrative uh, high school basketball career. I had an opportunity to maybe play some in college, tore my knee to shreds my senior year. Uh, Ended up going to Oxford, Mississippi, because all of my friends at the time were kind of going there. And um, went to Oxford, uh, started school at Ole Miss, um, started a band started playing in a couple of different bands uh played in a band in high school started playing drums when i was 10 and uh got to oxford and the university of mississippi kind of took a back seat and uh, (laughs) i was politely asked to leave uh, (laughs) with a not i think a 0.08 grade point average um not because i was stupid because uh started touring the uh, country and playing rock and roll music. And wow. turns out yeah. you kind of have to go to class to, uh, yeah, yeah. To, uh, to be, uh, to pass college. So, um, you know, I'll go ahead and preface that I, you know, I'm starting an educational facility and I failed out of college. So <laughs> there you go. So that's kind of the, uh, kind of the plan of how I got to Oxford was there for 24 years and ran a recording studio, played in several different, uh, regional and national bands as a drummer and got to tour all over the country. Um, and then through a series of events, uh, I mean, I can, I can say this cause you understand, uh, God led me to, uh, to do this in Athens instead of Mississippi. That's where he wanted me to start. So that's, yeah. uh, that's where we started it. So audio production school here. There you go. Well, I, just curious, cause I got to know, like, so what kind of, uh, what kind of music were you playing when you were touring and, and not going to class at Ole Miss? Yeah, so, um, you know, played with, golly, probably a dozen different bands. Um, had an opportunity to play with uh, Blue Mountain for a little while, do a couple of shows um, locally. Uh, played with a band out of Brooklyn called The Damn Wells uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of shows. Uh, another singer-songwriter, still one of my favorites, uh, Sanders Bulky out of Sardis, Oxford. Did, a, mm-hmm. did some big shows with him with... Uh, opening up for bands like the fray and Jason Mraz and oh, wow. yeah. badly drawn boys. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And then a lot of local bands that I just, uh, you know, really enjoyed being around. And, uh, you know, I think with, uh, Alex with the Damwells, you know, they opened up for us at proud Larry's was playing with a band called always Sunday, which was, uh, me and, uh, when McElroy and Dean and, um, uh, 
trimmed abs out of uh who's now in nashville and uh they opened up for us one night and you know we had a really good band they had a much better band and blew us off the stage finally i just kept bugging alex and i was like man you need the record you need to come do a record finally just said dude if you if you'll stop calling me i'll come do a record <laughs> i managed to kind of get uh get myself into that band doing uh doing a record with them just because their drummer was in New York and not available had gone on to other things. So a lot of different stuff, mainly uh, singer songwriter, rock and roll, Americana, whatever the border is or label that the kids are calling it these days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, uh, I've been, my uh, uh, midlife crisis has been vinyl, which is probably as, as safe of a midlife crisis as you could be. And uh, so, like, you know, we were talking about the, the Beatles and like, is that rock and roll or is this, you know, is Sturgill Simpson? And what is that? And like, you know, trying to like, well, it's just good music. There's, there's a lot of good music. Why, out do we, there. why do we need to label it? You know, we, we had right. a conversation about the, the comeback of vinyl yesterday. And that's exciting, you know, as a, as a musician to uh, to see people being excited about sitting down with a piece of art. Cause if you go back, I mean, that's what, that's what the vinyl was supposed to be. Is like, here's the artwork that goes with the idea that I had for making the record and open it up and sit down and experience something for 22 or 44 minutes at a time. So yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, so my, my word, and I kind of put this in the email asking you to come on was uh, my word for 2020 has been this word create. Um, I got really inspired by listening to the Broken Record podcast uh, from Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell, just diving into some folks. Well, and some folks with that I had some loose connections, very loose connections. So, like uh, Bon Iver, you know, he's he's for, like uh, he recorded the for uh, uh, shoot, I forget for Emma Forever Go. I forget yeah. the actual album. Anyway, miles from where I grew up, right? And then uh, and then even the the Black Keys, who um, you know, they're second and third album came from fat possum which is from oxford mississippi which is great and yeah. so like hearing some of these like stories of creation and thinking about how do we tap into that because i think a lot of times in, in teaching and like teaching from my perspective from you know in the in the schools and and uh, teaching math teachers like sometimes it gets this formulaic sort of thing and like this but the creativity side the creative side is like something that just wanted to get into so like wanting to connect with you and other folks in the creative arts um and thinking about how do we tap into that innovation to fuel our teaching but then little did i know that we'd be on you know in the verge of a global pandemic and and we really need to be creative in our teaching right and and thinking about oh, yeah. that so, so yeah it's so that's kind of the motivation so um how did how did tweed recording school come to be i uh someone made a great point to me one day and I realized that, you know, we had built a, a, a building in Oxford that was about 2000 square feet. It's a great building. Um, you know, I, I, when I started the studio, I had the wherewithal and the people around me and even my dad to say, Hey, you know, um, you need to set up, you know, you need to look at this in limited liability corporations or the tweed recording is one thing. It's a studio you need to have an equipment company that houses all the equipment so that you can, you know, so that, you know, for liability standpoints and all that, you know, uh, you have different businesses. It's just a smart way to do business and to be able to, you know, organize everything from a tax standpoint. So, you know, I, I gotten to the point where, you know, there's only so many people that you could fit into a room. And um, yeah. so somebody said to me one day, you know, you've got a, a major league studio in a minor league building. Yeah. And it dawned on me, it's like, whoa, you're right. And, you know, if you have, 
you know, us weirdo musician guys and studio guys, you know, you always kind of draw your, your dream studio, you know, mm-hmm. what, would you, what would you do if you had an endless bank account? And, you know, during that time, you know, people aren't really building these kind of temples of sound, as I like to call them, places like Abbey Road and Sunset Sound and all that, um, because the record industry has changed. The budget isn't really there anymore. So um, having the heart that I did to kind of this mantra that, you know, to always give back and none of this belongs to me. It's on lease from the man above. And I went, okay, well, I want to build this massive studio. What are some things I can do to help subsidize it? And immediately it went, okay, well, let's, let's build a building next to it that we can teach people how to make records and how to place a microphone in front of something and how to, you know, be a part of the creative economy and how to know what, what you should say when a record label calls you and says, well, you know, we want to sign you and we want all this and, and you have the ability to say, no, this is what we're going to do because it's my intellectual property, my creativity. And in this day and age, I might not necessarily need a record label to do that. If I have, you know, if I take the route, like, you know, Ben Harper or something like that to where you, you know, you get on the road for 13 years or, you know, the, another band like American Aquarium where, you know, what the, the, the answer to that question from a record label needs to be no, what can you do for me? Not what can I do for you? Because I've already built my fan base. What, yeah. what do you help me with? So that's really how the school came about. And, um, and it just kind of got, it got really big, man, bigger than I could ever imagine. And people started coming to the table and going, Hey man, I remember hanging out with you or being a part of something, or I know someone that mentored you and just, you know, I looked up and I went, wow, man, there's, you know, there's over 200, 250 years of experience now between all these people that, uh, that are working with me that are, I mean, have worked with everybody from Bruno Mars to uh, Ornette Coleman to Etta James to the Black Crows to just, you know, there are no coincidences, man. When you get good people around and, and you remember where it all comes from and you let go of it, it, uh, it can get pretty big and pretty powerful in a good way. So that's yeah. really how the school came about. Well, and, and for those that uh, it, uh, we'll put in the show notes uh, links to your website and like there's pretty cool uh, uh, drone kind of uh, view of going through uh, Athens, but then looking for that through the uh, through the school and all the different rooms. It's like it's a beautiful place. And I mean, watching through Instagram as like everything was coming together. It's like, wow, this is going to be an amazing space to uh, to work in. Um, what, what, what were some like ideas around that? Like what led to like how you designed the space in order to uh, kind of tap into this uh, idea of collaboration? Yeah. So, you know, I had an idea that uh, I was just going to come into Athens and do the same thing I was doing in Oxford. I'm going to go find a 68 acre parcel, you know, 10 minutes from downtown. And uh, the problem with that is that there is a railroad that has been here forever in Athens that uh, runs around the city and uh you know building a recording studio next to a train track is extremely, <laughs> extremely expensive it That's can true. be done, but it's uh you know you you almost double the cost with isolation and buildings within buildings so had a gentleman here by the name of david dwyer that was uh is now working with tweed uh full-time that uh said hey man i want to show you something that um you know he was a real estate guy he said there's a uh, there's a building downtown that's literally uh, a drumstick throw away from Georgia theater. I mean, it's four doors down from the Georgia theater. And as we're looking at this building, it was, uh, 
it's about a, uh, I guess about a 9,000 square foot spot. Uh, all of a sudden, I mean, literally the next day, uh, the building next to this one goes for sale <laughs> and you just went, <laughs> okay, I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so what you have is a full city block that, uh, that is in the heart of downtown that has every amenity that a student can imagine. So, you know, this beautiful 125 year old building smack dab in the middle of downtown becomes available, you know, so, you know, in the back half of Washington street, there are two buildings that are joined together. that are about 6,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. And then the front half of the building is an upstairs and downstairs. That's on the, you know, the busiest city in Athens, which is Clayton and it's upstairs and downstairs. So, you know, the, it just so happened that the, the two studios that are in the back of that building are mirror images of what I built in Oxford. It's something oh, that wow. I worked in for 20 years and mm -hmm. it just so happened to fit in that space, uh, which is really weird sometimes because you're yeah. hearing that when you walk out and you go, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's the bunker and where's the kitchen? Oh, it's I got to go there for that. So, yeah. uh, so there's that half of it and it just kind of fit, man. It worked. And then, uh, the upstairs of, uh, of Clayton is uh, faculty and kind of a lounge area where we can kind of decompress and, you know, a student can under supervision can come and, and have a meeting or do tutoring or whatever else. And then the front half of the building is, uh, was a really neat space. It was a shoe store uh, called Lamar Lewis Shoes that was started in back in the fifties. And uh, it was a community space. I mean, there were, it's where everybody came to buy shoes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in downtown Athens. And so we, I said to myself, you know, we need to, uh, we need to find a way to still engage and, and still allow this to be a community offering. So immediately it was like, well, it's a venue. It's going to be a lot. It'll be a place that is very intimate that uh, is unlike any other place because we have a incredible, we actually have three recording studios behind it that you yeah. can pipe the feed back to. And if you want to come in and do a, a live recording and record it all to two inch tape. We can do that. There's not a lot of places you can do that. So, you know, this overwhelming uh, movement of, you know, let's, you know, to use your word again, create, which is kind of part of our mantra, which is create, produce, record. Uh, you know, you can come into this space, you know, any type of music, any type of art form, and, you know, one day it can be a art gallery. The next day it can be a punk venue. It can be a poetry venue. It can be a place if you want to do a nice PowerPoint presentation. So all things that are, you know, creatives. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, and so the Lewis room is that, uh, that space. And it's, uh, it's, one, it's gorgeous. But then two, just like, you know, like the other th create thing you're creating is, is still creating community. It was a community space. And like now it, we're, let's, let's still tap into that, uh, that history. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what, just to make sure that, you know, people have context. So uh, at Tweed uh, School, Tweed Recording School, what, what are you teaching? What are you, what are the, like, yeah, what are you teaching? Let's just put it that way. So we put together a 18-week, uh, uh, 500 plus contact hour uh, curriculum that is, uh, it's intense. I mean, it's, uh, I believe that, um, you know, if you're going to enter into the industry, whether that be film, especially music, that, uh, you've got to be prepared for a 15 hour day. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it rolls. Um, especially in the beginning. I mean, I think when you get into it, you get yourself established, you kind of got to go, I'm not made of rubber. I'm not invincible. And I can't put my ears through this, this pressure for more than eight to 10 hours a day. 
uh, I'll take years off my life. So, yeah. uh, you know, teaching uh, all things uh, sound, all things placing a microphone in front of something. And then, you know, within that program, there's uh, an internship program. Uh, there's also a life lessons class that, uh, you know, we care a lot about what is going to walk out of the door when we're finished on those 18 weeks. And it's a, it's a family. It's a, you know, kind of this cool fraternal, fraternal thing that, Hey man, you know, a lot of us have got a lot of experience in, in good things and bad things that uh, maybe you should or shouldn't be doing. And uh, you know, if we can help steer a young person or anyone into that or out of something that they shouldn't be in, that's uh, that's a big part of what we're doing. And, you know, we have not, uh, you know, I get the question all the time, well, you know, are you partnering with, with UGA? Are you, you know, are you going to be accredited? No, I, I don't, not right now. I don't have any mm-hmm. desire to do that because I think there's things that happen when you do that, that, uh, you know, my dad says a great analogy of dancing with the elephant. I mean, we're going to go fast. And, you know, this industry is, uh, you know, it's, you don't get a trophy for just showing up. I mean, you gotta, you gotta find a way to be competitive and, you know, we're going to hurt your feelings because that's, that happens in music and how you deal with, uh, you know, everybody can go in and I think this is a great way to sum it up, Joel, everybody can learn how to operate equipment. And, you know, you can be the best engineer in the world when it comes to creating uh, and capturing the sonics of it. But if you're not a people person and a psychiatrist, you're not going to work in this industry. If you don't know how to take a person at their best and at their worst, and then five people that are experiencing all of that at the same time, put them together and make that record that you sit on your couch and listen to. That's the game, man. That is what you got to teach. So that really is, uh, and, and then the business of it, like I said, that we have a very strong, I mean, John Snyder, our president from Loyola, John's recorded over 400 jazz records. I mean, he's worked everywhere from, you know, under Creed Taylor to A&M to Jerry Wexler, Ahmed Ergen. I mean, he's managed at a James or at Coleman. Uh, it's about empowering a young person to know about the intellectual property rights, the creativity, mm-hmm. what you're, what you're entitled to when you create a piece of music. That's I mean, there's so many different aspects of the the bit that you just shared. I mean, even just the you know the life side of it, and like, hey, yeah, we're gonna teach you the technical, but like, hey, you, if you're not in a good place to actually do that technical stuff, like, you're not gonna be, or even to the business side of it, like, that's I mean, that it's like a it's a holistic, like, it seems like a holistic approach to to this it business. Is. Very much so, because most bands don't think about, it. and I didn't. I was luckily you know, down the line, I think because I owned a recording studio and back to the LLC comment, most kids don't think about when, you know, if a, if a band sits down in a room together for the first time and says, okay, well, let's write a song. They don't think about, well, who owns the song and what happens Mm. if the thing gets big. So a lot of times, you know, I mean, I got 24 years worth of, of, of music and hard drives that are, that is wonderfully music that, that I'll put up against, you know, any, you know, a lot of different bands that should be household names, but because they were not told and didn't have the conversation to sit down and go, Hey guys, this is how we need to structure this. This is how we need to put it together so that we can all profit of it, of it. You know, they just end up hating each other in the process mm-hmm. and, and just walk away from the band and quit. We've lost mm-hmm. so many good bands to that. So that's, you know, that's another thing we're trying to kind of create. Wow. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, this gets me so many different ways of thinking, but I'm just thinking like from my own person, like how, you know, thinking about some of the things that uh, we could be doing, you know, in, in teaching teachers and thinking of our own program here and at uh, University of Mississippi and 
like we talk about some of the social emotional health, especially, I mean, now, like this last semester, I just saw so many folks that, you know, when they their calendar kind of got cleared out because nobody was having like, hey, an hour and a half of Zoom calls every day for every, you know, for all their classes and things like that, or the, um, and thinking about the teachers that are dealing with students, like people didn't know how to handle their time. And if they weren't, didn't have that structure in place, how do they put something else in place that helps them stay healthy so that they could then do the work of being a teacher. And it's like that holistic approach is, is, is pretty beneficial. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it, it has to be. I think that's the thing that, you know, we built, I built this incredible 12,000 square foot building that was designed to be different than everything else, not only from the holistic approach, but for the fact of, hey, come in and put your hands on everything. Yeah. I want you to experience what a, you know, what a 1950, you know, U47 tube mic sounds like. I want you to experience, you know, a real piece of analog gear versus the plug-in. And now, you know, the world has changed. And how do you, you know, how do you create online opportunities? How do you create, uh, it's extremely difficult to do, but I think the thing that's most important, the fabric of that is just what you said and what we're talking about from the holistic approach is it's the people. It is, it is the willingness to, to engage a young person or anyone for that matter. And, you know, I asked my dad one time, I said, you know, what, you know, you know, he started off in, at power company, uh, you know, in fossil fuels and retired as a CEO of Southern company yeah. had an incredible career. And I asked him one time, I said, you know, what, what's the most important thing you learned? If you're going to tell me one thing out of it, what is it? He said, you need to learn to listen and listen to someone and don't try to formulate the answer in your head while you're listening, because it's this primal thing that we all have that we want to go ahead and we want to jump right on it. The second it comes out of your mouth, it's okay to say, I don't know, or I don't have the answer. Or, hey, you know what? I need to process that. Give me a few minutes. So mm. I think that's, that's kind of what, uh, I mean, we need a lot more of that more so than anything in the world right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, before we, you got on, I was working on a presentation and it's like, that's like the big aha that I had over all my sabbatical was like, on um, listen, you know, <laughs> so that's good, but everybody that's good coming from your dad. Everybody wants to, not everybody wants to listen. Yeah. Well, okay. So how do you, um, that kind of leads me into this sort of thing. How do you balance the teaching? So like you kind of got into a little bit teaching the technical side, but then also encouraging the creative side. It seems like what you're teaching is someone that's sitting in between these two spaces of, I got to make sure to capture this, but I also got to help facilitate what's happening uh, with actually the creation of the sound. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the process of it is, uh, it's pretty beautiful what we've, what we've, how we've kind of laid it out, uh, of what you'll, what you'll be doing over an 18 week time frame, And it's all intertwined. It goes back to that first moment of, Hey, if we're a band and we're getting together or if I'm producing or engineering someone, it, 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 it's a conversation that happens throughout, uh, throughout the 18 weeks, not unlike what, what making a record is about. I mean, so many people don't understand, um, that process and how it all happens and what you, what you have to do to make a, a, a vinyl record that you get to sit on the couch and, and listen to. And I think if people did, it, anyone that's ever been in the studio that has never been a part of the recording process and have been, has never seen it before has walked away with this kind of like, Oh, wow. Moment that like, I had no idea 
that 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 that's what happens. Your perfection point. I got to a point where in Oxford in the studio, I can make a ten song record. I would I would sit down with a band and say, okay, uh, have you done your pre production? Have you done the work before you're supposed to get here? Have you got the song structures laid out? Don't don't get married to them because that's the beautiful thing about being in the studio and getting creative and being in this building is it can change. So, and then and bring me two extra songs just in case. And, you know, you start into this process and uh, everybody gets there and it starts firing on all cylinders. And, you know, it's not unlike the curriculum we put together is not unlike that process. It's, you know, that 10 song record, I got to the point where I could pretty much have it, have everyone show up, set up the session, record the session, mix the session and turn it back over to them in about 250 to 275 hours. So, you know, for 40 minutes of music, there's somewhere around 200 to 400 hours that are put into it. And, and a lot of the, you know, when people realize that, I think they're a lot more happy to give somebody 25 bucks for, uh, yeah. for that's what, that's, that's really the heart of what, I think the curriculum is, is to, is to let people know that, Hey, there's a lot of things that you can do, uh, within the industry to, to make a living. Um, that, that's the goal is that we create, uh, a new economy of, of the next people that are up and coming, because I think you need to know the history of how you got from the very first recording to where we are now, because if you have all those tools and at any given moment, you're able to uh, you're able to conquer what's in front of you and what the artist wants. Yeah, we had just had a I was doing a book club with somebody that was a she's a math teacher educator out of Delaware and she's doing this thing called rough she had this idea of a rough draft math and just basically bringing the idea of rough drafts into the math classroom so you have these um, unfinished thinking that you're presenting to the class like basically acknowledge like this is a rough draft this is unfinished this is but this is this is my thinking so far and being able to um, take it and and everyone's creating together but it's this idea that you're kind of open-handed with it like this isn't finished I'm not protecting it this is open-handed like hey here it is I'm not going to have this like you like you said be be willing to not married to it be willing to change and adapt but thinking about like how as a community within the 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 person recording the band that's creating like doing everything to make it to its best possible form they can get before you're saying Hey, this is it. This is it. Yeah. What um, what were some of the, what are some well, I also too. I, I'm just curious because I saw this on a I think a Sonic Highways or something. So in uh with so the Foo Fighters recorded in all those different places. I think this one was yeah, in Chicago. Great uh, Washington, it's awesome. It's really cool. So there's one instance where and it where uh, someone is plugging in the guitar and everything's live and it made this like gnarly sound as they're plugging in the guitar and all of a sudden they're just like. It sounded kind of cool. I mean, it's probably like the worst, like from the technical side, like you don't do that, like, you know, turn it off. So it doesn't make this nasty sound, but then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, that's cool. Yeah. And they put it in the, they put it in the album. They like, okay, we got to catch, capture that. Like it seemed like that was on this side of like, Hey, technically that was a bad thing to do, but then creatively that was something that, so like, do you have anything like that? Any stories like that where there's like, this was kind of a, mistake but ooh, let's let's use that do you have anything like that yeah yeah i mean i have so many different stories i mean the you know it's you know at the end of the day uh when you're when you're shutting down the session 
you know, you often, whatever you've been working on that day, you make a rough, a final mix of, or a rough mix of what you've been working on to reference because you're going to the next song the next morning mm -hmm. uh, when you get to that final kind of process. And a lot of times what, what happens is, and I think this is a disconnect from what kids don't understand when they're, when they're sitting in front of a laptop and they're creating music. Um, you know, a lot of times what happens is, is when I got back to the time where it came to mix the record, and this is kind of a, you know, a, a metaphor for the session itself is, is uh, you get down, you get everything cleared out, you get the desk in front of you, you get everything on the desk back to what we call unity and ready to go. Everything's at kind of line level and you start mixing your drums, you bring the bass in, you, you kind of start forming this thing and then you go, okay, well, that's pretty good. And then you listen to it and go, wait a minute, you know, that's, that's not as good as what I did two weeks ago in the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's another, I think another idea that you got to be prepared for is that, you know, there's something about being in the moment. You know, I had in being involved with this company called Sound Techniques that's building some really cool consoles that haven't been built in 41 years. And they're a, a really incredible piece of audio, uh, of, of audio history. They were used to, uh, to record, uh, you know, uh, George Harrison's All Things Must Pass, David Bowie's wow. first five records. So uh, within that journey, I got to hang out with a gentleman by the name of Ken Scott. Ken's a, a producer engineer that uh, worked on a little record called The White Album. Uh, he did Bowie's first <laughs> four five records. Wow. Yeah. Just having a conversation with him and picking his brain and going, you know, there's um, like David Bowie, for example. David Bowie hated to do second vocal takes. He just didn't want to do it. He, he was very much in the moment. I think Robert Plant was the same way from Led Zeppelin that, hey, I'm going to give you everything that I possibly can during this three minutes. And if it's not good enough for you, then sorry. Go find somebody <laughs> else. You know, there's, there's those moments. I mean, there's been moments that, uh, that I remember one particular record I was working on where, you know, it was two o'clock in the morning and it was past time for everybody to be recording, worn out and, and, uh, it was Patrick McCleary and Eric Carlton. It was a, uh, it was a record that we were doing uh, with a band called the Minor Adjustments, which was kind of this all-star group of, of musician guys in, uh, in Oxford. And uh, Patrick's like, man, let me just, let's just get this idea down real quick. Uh, I'm going to sit down at the piano with an acoustic guitar, just put a mic up for reference. Carlton's going to play the piano to it. And, you know, it ended up being this completely magical thing that's on the record. Awesome. Sounds called uh, "Pieces of You," and it's on the, a record called uh, by the Minor Adjustments. And it's it's just this magical thing that happened at two o'clock in the morning. That there's no possible way if you sat down and said, "I'm going to recreate this," so this is how the song should be. Yeah. So you just you didn't know it was happening in the moment, but the moment happened and it passed you by, and you caught it. So that's you know that's another thing. You always always be ready to record, even when yeah. you're not ready to record. That was a that was a cool thing about the um that broken record podcast with uh Rick Rubin and uh uh and the Black Keys and they he played uh Pat Carney played like the first recording they ever had and it was like and Rick Rubin just starts laughing he's like that could have been last night it's like it's crazy like like this like beautiful like capturing of like them just jamming and it was just ah oh, it's just beautiful so it's like in the moment there's something there. You look at bands like uh, one of my favorite bands, Guided by Voices. I mean, 
Robert Pollard is just an incredible force of a songwriter. I mean, there's kind of an underlying joke between all the musicians, and I'm talking about heavy hitting musicians, that he's kind of the holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the most songs written. And he can like, you know, okay, you know, I'll go in the bathroom and sit down on the toilet and write seven songs and four of them are, <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, I mean, he wrote a record that he did. It's uh, it's called, I think it's called Suitcase. And it's a uh, hundred songs that he wrote. Oh, a hundred different bands. Wow. So the, the song written is, well, this is what, um, uh, this band would sound like this is their name so he went in and wrote this record it's incredible and and the most of that stuff is done on a four track in his basement and some of it's just out of tune guitar but it doesn't matter because it's a beautiful melody and it's it's it just grabs you it's ca- capture it so that's awesome that's great and i know like in in the uh in the video you uh that's showing the your school you show all these like this console and it's just like it's like a wall it looks like a wall of history all these little components that are from all these different things and so the fact that everyone gets to or the folks get an opportunity to to play with those things is just i i can't imagine that that's it's got to be uh to touch history basically yeah 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 so what what are some uh your key learnings or lessons that you've had since you uh started this because i know i mean again back to our conversations uh with kids hanging around trying to talk about what you were going to be doing, but then you must have, you must have a, a list, but what are some key ones that you've, you've had some learnings or some lessons? Um, you know, I go back to the listening thing. I go back to, uh, surrounding myself with good people in this organization, people that, uh, care about other people more than themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we fail miserably at that every day, but uh, as long as we're trying, that's what, what's most important. I think, uh, you know, I, I come from a, a world that is uh, it's more analog based and there's, there, it's a different process of recording in the past uh, four months with the situation that we're in. You know, I, I've been challenged to learn a lot more about, you know, kicking and screaming into the digital realm of recording and you mm-hmm. know, learning things like, Pro Tools. You know, I never ran a Pro Tools studio. Just the two times that I tried to implement it failed miserably. So trying to go back in those things and and not be a dinosaur, I guess, is the is be willing to learn new uh, new ways and not be not be stuck in the mud. I mean, you got to adapt. I think that's um, you know know your history and know where you came where you came from, but uh, don't be scared to uh, to rewrite it and uh, the good and the bad. So. Um, you know, and learning how to, uh, you know, to be around artists and uh, to be a music lover and not, um, and kind of guard yourself in that because real quick music has the power to, I mean, it's the one thing that I think everybody in the world can agree on in somewhere, shape or form. I mean, I think you can find one record that, you know, every walk of, of life uh, can enjoy and listen to. I think just, you know, uh, I guess the term not, marrying the artist as much as you want to you know sometimes in the beginning took a chance on things and and learned that uh okay here's a way that i can make the next relationship better or Mm -hmm. the next record better and um you know if you you get in the studio and it's not fun anymore then yeah what's the point of doing it you know right And and i really have in the past four months it's been fun for me because you know i told somebody this the other day on a podcast that i was doing and i said you know, this, this pandemic that we're going through has actually made me feel more normal 
than I have in a long time because it's been a year and a half since I've done a full record or two years almost. And, you know, that's a pandemic is kind of what you need to be built for to do a record. I mean, it's this, we're all going to collapse in on ourselves and we're going to get, you know, spend four to six weeks on record and then we're going to come up for air and see our families and our friends. And I'm going to go right back in it again. I'm going to take three or four days off, recalibrate and go right back in. So, you know, this is kind of normal. Being a politician the past two years has been strange. Uh, so, you know, learning how to, how to, that I, that I did leave breadcrumbs. I know how to get back to it. So <laughs> That's good. I do know how to make a record. We did a future birds thing a couple of weeks ago. I was like, man, I still know how to do this. This is good. That's Let's do awesome. More. Yeah. No, yeah. And I, so last couple of podcasts I've been thinking about, um, I just did some things on reflecting. I talked to like my, uh, grad assistant from this past year. Cause you know, we taught uh, every class together and then I talked to a student I had 10 years ago. Um, and he's now a practicing math teacher and just, you know, just having that, that opportunity to reflect like things that I should be doing, like reflecting, like really thinking about practice and looking at some of those lessons learned. And it's like, you know, it like you need a silver lining of a global pandemic is getting that time to really do that sort of work that's uh, necessary, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's the one thing that I think, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, that everybody always says, man, you know, I need more time. I need, I need more time in the day. I need more, I need more time to do this. Careful what you ask for. Yeah, here you go. Um, I, I love that. I mean, I also love the, you know, the your parallel of going from analog and digital. I mean, that's, you have a lot of teachers, same thing where, Hey, I need face to face. Well, you got to think of some other way. We, we, you gotta be, uh, look at some other tools. So we're all doing that. Yes. So, you know, as a teacher, we think about problems of practice and like, you know, thinking like, what am I, what's the next thing I need to work on? What are some things that I'm questioning? So what are some areas of learning that you are seeking to fill or what are some key questions you still have as you, going to this uh as you assuming this teaching role yeah I, you know it's been uh i've been very fortunate to have uh john snyder uh you know who's an academic who he ran program music program at loyola actually he birthed it and then ran it for 12 years and then saw something in me and what we were doing that he left loyola and came here and uh he really has just this incredible mind that i go back to you know, there's a lot of things in life that you can do that are just like producing a record. And I think what I've, what I've learned is, is how to, how to structure uh, what I've done in my career and how to lay it out into a teaching format. It's like the first time I sat down with John and said, well, here are my, here are my points that I want to teach in this school. Uh, and here are my notes on it. And he just kind of laughed and he's like, you know, this is, this is kind of a big steaming pile of manure, but I'm gonna help. <laughs> you're not an academic and that's okay. Uh, let me, let me help you through that. So, you know, learning that process and, and I guess in a way, you know, he kind of went back and empowered me and said, Andrew, you've been teaching all, all the way through. I mean, you've been, right. you know, you've been showing someone how to get the best out of their, you know, their playing and, and here's how you can do it in a formal setting. And, uh, and, and learning how to do that more uh, efficiently and then how to put it on paper. Cause that's really, I mean, everybody thinks, Oh yeah, man. And, and you know, you as an academic, I'm sure would, you know, when I, when I sat down and went, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to reach out to you about is how do I, 
how do I do this? How do I put words on paper? Because anybody can talk and anybody mm-hmm. can go and do something and I can go and make a record, but putting it down on paper and making it a class, man, that's an art form. And mm-hmm. I commend you for your ability to do that because uh, luckily John had come around and we got another guy named Charlie Chastain that's just joined on to the force and Nate Nelson that uh, collectively, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty powerful. So those are the things that I think I'm, I'm learning how to get better at. And then just like I said, how do we, how do we take this, this building if, if it comes to it? I mean, we're going to, you know, it was, uh, it was never, I mean, we never, it's purpose built in the sense that it's for 24 people, very mm-hmm. intimate. And, uh, you know, we're going to be even more careful and say, let's just do 12 starting in August. If the you know world doesn't cave in on us, um, mm-hmm and spread everybody out and make it even more intimate. So it's, it's a, it's going to be a pretty in, incredible experience for a person to come and do that. And uh, just navigating that, if we get into it, like I told everybody the other day, I think the whole world is racing to how do we, how do we uh, present something that is not laughable uh, as a online learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my brain says, well, you just can't do that with what we're trying to do at Tweed. So my, my, my process right now is going, okay, if we're in this process and we start in August and all of a sudden the fire alarm goes off in the first week of October and this thing comes back around on us with teeth, then what are we going to do as an organization to make sure that the people that are in those seats, that we deliver what we say we're going to deliver. Right. So that's, that's what we're working on or I'm working on personally right now with my team is that how do you do that? Actually, that's kind of exactly what we're working on at the university. We're talking about this idea of resilient teaching, right? So if the modality changes, how does it make it so that we're not doing what we did in the spring where we have to take a week off to figure out, refigure out our entire curriculum. But resilient teaching would be, Hey, the modality might change, but you're still going to see the the same core thing, yes, there'll be some adjustments, but now, now because our teaching is more resilient, we can pay more attention to the students. And again, making sure, just like you said, making sure we're delivering what we're supposed to. So lots of people are thinking about that um, from, cause even too, we, we have to be in a place where if let's just say one year, you know, a student gets, um, you know, gets a, a positive, uh, you know, diagnosis and maybe has been away for the week or whatever, and it's like, okay, they're isolated. Well, how do you still have a hybrid experience where, yeah, they can't be there, but everyone else can, you know, so yeah. lots of, lots of, those are my key questions that, that yeah, I'm thinking it about. It goes back to kind of making a record too in the analog versus digital thing, because uh, I think what I'm seeing and in, in, in paying attention to what, you know, places like, you know, the larger universities that you're in is, you know, you've got a, a group of people that are kind of like me. They're the analog guys. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to turn the computer on and go through yeah. that. And you've got the young people that do, you know, you got to sit down and have a conversation and, 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 and be willing to, to explore your options to make what's best for the, the person that's sitting in front of you that you need to teach. Yeah. Well, and, and if anyone, again, going back to your video, I think seeing the, seeing the classroom setups that you have, I mean, it is definitely about, you're seeing learning as doing like, this is not a, Hey, I'm going to lecture up here. There's one space where I'm going to, you know, show you what to do. You know, I always say it's like a, 
when I hear about some education programs where they lecture to you about not lecturing, like, you know, be active and like, but it's a PowerPoint and you're just sitting there taking it in, but it's actually yeah. about engaging in the doing of it. And it's like, that's, it's so odd. Like there's so many, like the, the big lab space where everyone has all the tools available in front of them. It's like, that's, uh, that's, that's, I mean, I'm seeing that as a, a very big positive, like that this is about learning, doing, we're, we're doing the work, we're engaging in that process. Yeah, you're about to drink from the fire hose. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, but, you know, and during that 18 week process, too, I mean, we had three weeks built into that process, too, as internships. And now that the world has kind of changed, especially in the music industry, you know, those opportunities aren't there as much. So we've kind of said, well, what are we going to do inside the building? And that's going to be, you know, you're going to get to spend time with a real band during those three weeks and working on a real commercial recording that when you leave this place, you'll have credits on a record before you even start your career. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. So I know I'm just wrapping up here. Uh, thank you again for your time, but I, I, I had this question. I, I popped it to you uh, before we started uh, recording, but any tips? So again, we've got some analog folks that are jumping on computers now that are, that are having to do some online teaching. Um, any, any tips on, on having some good sound for, uh, because there's, I, I don't think there's anything worse than an echoing teacher or anything like that. Like, how do we, how do we help our teachers out? Any, any tips that you have for them uh, yeah. doing something like this? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can reach out to us personally if you like. We've got a lot of people that are, uh, that are versed in that. But uh, as far as the gear goes, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of great information. There's too much information at times uh, out there. But I think if you can go to places... Uh, you know, brokers and, and gear places like that, places like Sweetwater. And, and, you know, there's a lot of online tutorials that, uh, that can help you with that. Um, you, know, you can check us out at, at tweedrecording.com, like I said, and, and, and feel free to ask us any questions. That's what we're here for. We're helping a lot of people with that, that are, you know, we've gotten a, a plethora of people that have said, how, you know, I want to learn how to do podcasts. We're going to teach that during the, during the curriculum. I mean, really anything that has to, to do with placing a microphone in front of it. So, uh, a lot of great online tutorials and then we've got uh you know specific people that um you've got resources in in oxford like people like dave wilworth at rwa consultants who's an acoustic guy that if someone says well you know i, I gotta set up my podcast room in my next to my hvac unit how do i <laughs> yeah you know things like that so um you know tips and tricks i think those are uh there's a lot of good information out there a lot of good people willing to help so yeah, or sitting up in a uh, in a uh, a closet that's in the garage. That that's what this space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. it's. I mean, come on. I you know I started the I started tweet recording in a house in College Hill Heights, and it was uh, a four track cassette machine, two of them linked together with mattresses on the wall in the living room in a seventies style ranch house. There you go. Got to start somewhere, man. Yeah. Don't be scared to say, you know, what, what's the old. <clears throat> The old Confucius uh, was that he who asks a question is a fool for, for five minutes. He who doesn't is a fool forever. <laughs> there you go. Sticking with it. There you go. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for uh, your time, Andrew. Like, uh, I know, you know, obviously we've got uh, the Tweed Recording Audio Production School. We promote, and again, we'll put a link to it on the show notes. Anything else to promote? No, you got a podcast, right? Yeah, Tweed Talks. It's, uh, you know, kind of doing the same thing as is reaching back into the old catalog of of people that I've recorded people that I've been around, had fun with. And uh, so it's on all platforms as well. Tweet talks. And then, I mean, everything else is sitting right there at tweet recording. And we got some, some really exciting things coming up 
from the Lewis room uh, in the fall. Got some really big bands that I can't quite talk about yet because the contract's not due, but yeah, yeah. got some heavy hitters coming in. It's going to be a lot of fun that people, I think, will be able to find uh, a unique experience um, working on some really cool things with, uh, you know, LED walls and how to bring people into the room for musicians. So if uh, that's something that, uh, you know, a band is listening to and wants to maybe uh, explore, check us out at tweetrecording.com. It's all there, man. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Yeah, Joel, thank you. And uh, if there's anything we can do to help you guys out, let me know. And uh, you guys stay safe and well, and we'll talk soon. Big thank you to Andrew for sharing his expertise. Uh, loved hearing his, the holistic approach to teaching that Tweed Recording School uses. And just even thinking about the the whole person and thinking about how do we prepare somebody. And it, it kind of goes into... Um, this idea that I heard in a book recently, and I shoot, I can't pull it, but thinking about the difference between a job, a career, and a calling. And I really feel like Andrew is called to create this school and like trying to lead people down that path. This is not just a job, right? This is a career. And if it could be, it could be a calling. And thinking about how do we do that and how do we do that well. And I love that the conversations that he's having with uh, his students and that his instructors are having with his students leads them to a place where they're thinking about this uh, whole journey of what does it mean to engage in this creative endeavor. And I think we as teachers uh, have an opportunity to learn from that and are excited that he got a chance to share a story, excited to see where, uh, where Tweed Recording goes from here. So... That's about all that I have for this episode of the Amazon Planet Podcast. If you're looking for show notes, and then in the show notes, you'll see all the links uh, to Tweed Recording Audio Production School. They've got a super cool tour of the facilities, which is uh, kind of makes me a little bit jealous looking at that space to learn from. Um, but you can find those show notes at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 27. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also subscribe to the Amazon Planet Download, where we're sending out uh, resources for teaching and any updates from Amazon Planet. You can get that by going to AmazonPlanet.com, looking for the subscribe the email button. They're all over on that front page. You can follow Amazon Planet on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. If you're listening to this uh, podcast in July, we are hosting a uh, on the Amazon Planet Facebook page. We are hosting a book club on high school math lessons to explore, understand, and respond to social injustice. That's through another podcast that I have, the At Teaching Math Teaching podcast that's sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators that I host with Ava Thanheiser and Dusty Jones. So we're doing a little book club there. So if you're into teaching high school mathematics, that could be something, or just, just teaching mathematics, or if you just get interested, what does it look like to teach math for social justice? Could be something to check out there. You can also check out the Amazon uh, Planet Store or Amazon Planet Bookshop. Links to are in the footer at AmazonPlanet.com where your purchases support the production costs of the podcast. And in conclusion, thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Thank you to Andrew for sharing his expertise and the story of uh, the Tweed Recording Audio Production School. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you've decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.